What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Welcome to episode 81. We are diving into fun stuff regarding Las Vegas magic, the New York magic scene, and I've got something going on today that I have to dive into as well regarding the commercial we talked about last week. Oh, so right into it, you've got something already happening. What's going on, Matt? We had the voiceover recorded. We talked about it. I gave you the actual script exclusively yeah, last right, week. Right. And we you did it in under the 30 seconds because of the music yeah. and all the gaps and everything. So go back and listen to the last episode if you want to hear mm. Matt doing his own voiceover for his commercial that's going to be airing and all sorts of things. Now, that might have created an issue, the fact that I actually was like practicing doing it myself. Because, of course, we talked about this. I'm, it's not going to be my voice. It'll be a voiceover artist who says it. But now that I've done the voiceover myself, maybe I've married to it a certain way because <laughs> you've gotten I rejected, particular. I, I've rejected the recording twice. Whoa. Okay. So you did send it out to someone to record and you yeah. just weren't happy with the results. The, the voiceover artist did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Not, Fantastic. Not blaming the professional voiceover artist. I'm sure they're great at other voiceovers. It's just you have an ear for the way you want it now because you decided to read it on our podcast. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was, it was really, really perfect except with one major exception. Everything was really well enunciated except for one major exception. Is it your name? How did you know? It's the, the most important thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and I, it's one of those things where if, if, if you were to hear it, I'm not sure it would bother you because you know my name. But yeah. we've got to put ourselves in the shoes of someone that's disoriented, just got off an airplane. They're bombarded with all these different advertisements and things. And where's my luggage? And they're he hearing this commercial over the loudspeaker at an airport. And... If you hear my name that is also combined with other words yeah. without a pause, you might not make out exactly what that is. You know, if you hear Matt Frankel live fast, is, what was that? Was that Frankel? What, what was that? You oh, know, I thought it was going to be the other way, like Mafranco. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that, that's a yeah. thing, too. If you yeah. don't hear the T, is it Ma? Is it Mauve? Is it Franco? 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 Matt Franco in. Is it Franco in? What did I just hear? Right. <laughs> Frank Cohen, <laughs> just some Jersey mobsters got a magic show. Come on over to Frank Cohen. <laughs> so, so we asked for some clear enunciation. Yeah, and then in round two, we got like what almost could have been a spite recording. Oh, like there's some <laughs> anger behind it. <laughs> almost like a parody, like Matt Franco. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So, uh, so I got to I got to go on on the phone for the session this afternoon. Oh, you're going to be there with the per I thought you were going to like just pull out the stuff now and be like, "Well, let me show you how it's done and you're no. going to take over <laughs> as the voice." No, I I would have happily jumped on the phone uh for the first session. It's not uncommon actually to do that. In fact, many times when I've had to do like voiceover things where I'm actually the one recording it, there would be like an executive producer or like the commercial director, someone there present to, mm. um, you know, say, Oh, do it again, but do it this way. So, you know, I have no problem doing that, but 
Um, I didn't think it would be necessary, but now here we are. Now, is there a way that you could fix, like, if, if the first recording was perfect except your name, can you just redub that part and be like, live, get your tickets from mattfranco.com? <laughs> I'm not sure whether or not that's even what they did on the, the second go around. I'm not sure. Um, I think they actually just redid the whole thing. But, um, yeah, I, I wish you could do that, but sometimes it throws off the rhythm. Yeah. You can tell it's, you know, ADR, if you will. <laughs> I think that would be a fun solution if the whole ad was like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, have you seen that? I think it's a commercial for Uber Eats. Um, and forgive me if it's Grubhub or DoorDash, but uh, there's like a commercial and they just keep mentioning Pad Thai. Oh, sure. Yeah. Have you seen this or no? I, I kind of know, but it's been, I don't know. This it's been a while. Day. Yeah, they, I've seen it during some uh, d- on TV. I've seen the commercial before, and they just keep mentioning Pad Thai, Pad Thai, Pad Thai. And uh, <laughs> it's a really funny commercial, but like it does sound like they're just dubbing in the word Pad Thai, but it's purposely done as a parody. Yeah. And honestly, that's, it, that is what it reminded me of when they sent me the second go around. And it was like, Matt. <laughs> what if you just, you know, instead of, re-recording this can you just take like copperfield's commercial and redub your name over copperfield (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's the same one and then just go matt franco and then live at the m link hotel Yeah, Yeah. but we don't want to steer people in the wrong direction. Stealing is bad. If you're going to do that, call for permission first. Yes, exactly. Yes, this is all (laughs) in jest because it would be very obvious, obviously. (laughs) Got to check in, check in with him, check in with the MGM, make sure they're cool with it, and then we could do it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's that thing. There's so many people that do the ask for permission after the fact, or they just they ask for permission expecting a yes and when they get a no they're like well i'm just gonna go do it anyway it's like no don't ask for permission and then ignore the response like i've never heard of that people actually do that it's just a shady thing that you know people do sometimes it's like if you are literally legitimately trying to do the right thing and you are asking for permission to do something Mm -hmm. then you have to accept the response yeah We've, if it's a no, it's a no. And some people just hear what they want to hear or just be like, well, I did the right thing and asked. It's like, yeah, but you still went ahead with it. When they said, no, that's not doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. I just did that. I just did that um, within the past week or two. I, I was working on a, a routine that actually I think I showed you a version of it. Um, it was like a coincidence effect. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I've played with lots of different versions of it. And our friend Josh J, who owns the magic shop Vanishing Ink, has a version of it. And I was like, uh, you know, I asked him, is it cool if I use this version? And if, if the answer was a no, yeah, I already had a backup plan of yeah. what, what the other versions would be. <laughs> you know, a right. B and a C of like, well, you know, you do this or this. But, um, uh, you know, got his, got his blessing to, uh, to work on the routine and kind of make it, make it what I'm looking for. I've I've found in specific cases that you usually especially in a small knit community like this people if you if you have the gall to just ask for permission that's so like 
light years above what most people do that people right. will just be like nice and be like yeah sure i'm so just glad you're asked that's cool no no problem but then but if you happen to do the opposite and just take something and then try to ask for forgiveness i mean there's no it's much harder to get out of that hole you dug for yourself i believe yeah so i think right. it's good to do it up front um that one story that comes to mind specifically is um there was like one small subtlety that i wanted to use for one of my AGT appearances uh, that came from a Banachek idea. And mm -hmm. I remember emailing him and I was just like, Banachek, um, this is a small thing, but I want to, is it okay if I use this like little letter idea? And he's like, oh yeah, it's published. It's in a book that's, uh, yeah, free for you to use. Uh, you didn't have to ask, but it says the, a lot that you did. And that's, that's where I would always want to be, especially when it's respecting, you know, my mentors and the people that I, you know, appreciate their ideas from is to show that respect and that camaraderie and just trying to do the right thing rather than just like assuming that, you know, this is fair game. You know, I come well, what do you faces. mean? It, it said a lot that you did. What did you say? That's what he said. Yeah. He's like, you don't have to ask, but it says a lot that you did. Oh, it says a lot that yeah. you did. Got yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was talking about published material as well, but in some mm -hmm. circumstances, you know, it just even though you don't have to, it just it it sometimes it's the right thing to do depending on the platform to Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's I'm not saying um you should be calling Banachek about permission to perform something in someone's backyard. Right, yeah, especially for like, t yeah, exactly. Because that, that sort of assumed when something's published, unless it specifically says like, do not perform this, then it's like, all right, this is just a thought exercise, I guess, that's right. why you're publishing it. Uh, but uh, most, you know, at the beginning of some of the books, they'll say like TV rights reserved, or like if you're interested in doing it on television or other medium, contact us and we'll right. discuss. But most, you know, or when magic creators publish something, it's kind of assumed it's like fair game for you to use it because you bought the book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's still, I think, nice if you're doing it on a huge platform like a Fool Us or anything like that, too. Spe specifically when, you know, if it's not necessarily you, something created. And, and that's the hard part, too, is because I feel like everything that magicians tend to create is also stepping off the shoulders of giants before them so there's no 100 percent unique idea so it's finding that right. line of how much do i credit this person how much should i reach out for them if it's one little thing is it something that's been along in magic for decades and sort of is in quote magic public domain is mm -hmm. it like fair mm -hmm. use so it's, it's finding that balance but i think it's always nice if you can track it down to a person that can give you permission i'd rather be in a place where they give me that willingly and are happy to have me perform an idea that they have and uh, right. rather than just do it against their <laughs> their permission and will. Right. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. just the, the right thing to do, right? Just mm -hmm. kind of using common courtesy and common sense. Yeah, yeah. Matt, What's you, going on with you, bud? Oh, I was going to say, you're back to performing, right? Yeah, was I still not performing when we last spoke? Correct, yeah. You had a I hadn't gone back off. yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so you're back. yeah we're back um gosh i guess we went back this week it feels weird that first night mm -hmm. to like actually be in front of uh people again um i really enjoyed it i uh was feeling like like not nervous nervous isn't the word but like i'm glad we did a run through before the show yeah get those cobwebs off a little bit i mean it's funny that 
this kind of coincided the new year and everything with this like second COVID wave because we on this very podcast talked about brushing off the cobwebs, getting that rest off when we were locked down and got to do our shows like last summer when we got to go mm -hmm. back, you know, and, and mm -hmm. everything was opening up. But now with the second wave, it feels like we're it's like a smaller, minier version with you being away from your show and like me from the new year. I just started like virtual and live shows again. So I had a couple weeks of not performing and I'm yeah. I'm feeling the rust in the in the uh <laughs> Just some of the, even like the words and the script and stuff and like certain words are coming out. And I was like, no, that's not how that goes. That doesn't flow. I meant to say this. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I found myself like really in the moment, even more than usual, because I didn't necessarily know the exact words, but I knew the sentiment of what, right. was, what I was trying to say. So like it would actually kept it really fresh and cool because mm -hmm. like I wasn't phrasing things in the same way I've normally scripted it. But like it was interesting because I was like, all right, I know what I'm trying to say, but I can't remember the exact dialogue. Um, but I do have an interesting trick trick for that to keep that um, to a minimum because the way we did the rehearsal and this is this is a a super secret tip that I use to uh, rehearse after a break. Ooh, um, I, I don't just this. go through the show. Mm. I actually use an audio recording of a previous show so oh, okay. that I'm ra rather than saying the script, I'm hearing it. So you are just playing an audio recording while going through the motions of the actions and doing everything. So at least you're hearing what the show used to sound like uh, mm -hmm. when it was like recorded, when it, when it was like in your bones. And, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's really helpful for me because it's hard to do my script without an audience. It really mm -hmm. is difficult without people to interact with. So it's almost like trying to say the alphabet backwards, which I know you can do, but no, most yeah. of us can't. <laughs> and that just um, demo it. Yeah. So uh, it's helpful for me, but also in the context of a full production show, if you think about this, it's really hard to go through everything in real time also without an audience. But when you have that audio recording, you're, it's going to be an exact real time to a previous actual live show. So it helps everyone with their cues as well. Yeah, that does help, especially with reactions and applause and everything, because usually those when you're running a script or or just kind of going through it in your mind, you forget about those pauses and those moments. Mm -hmm. So having an actual recording helps the pacing for sure. Because I remember even running things and it was just like clocking in so much faster. But then, of course, when you're on stage actually doing it, things can run longer because, mm -hmm. you know, with audience members taking time to come up on stage or, you know, just people reacting longer than you expected or just unexpected things can come up. So, uh, yeah, it gives you a more accurate timing. Now, do you then run it again with the script again, like, or like when you actually speaking the words to try and match the recording? Uh, for two weeks off, that's not necessary, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, after the pandemic, you know, if it was like a, a longer break, maybe, but generally I'm not ever taking a long break where I would need to like go through yeah. it twice in any way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah. So just just the one time in real time to kind of go through the motions, make sure um, everyone's on the same page. We know what's going on. It also kind of checks everything to make sure everything's in place. Everyone remembers mm -hmm. their presets and this and that. So and this is something if there are performers listening, which we, we know that there are, that you can do. Uh, if you if you have a previous show that you're you're happy with, or or if you do one in the near future, and you have that even just audio recording, you don't even need video. You can rehearse for your next show with that. Yeah, yeah. And use it to your advantage. It's really helpful. 
I think my strategy when it comes to getting the cobwebs off are like just doing less pressured shows leading up to the higher ones so that I can Mm -hmm. have those opportunities to fail on stage and it's not as bad of just like, oh, no, that word didn't come out right or that's not what I usually say. And it gives me that, you know, memory jog to do it. So, you know, we were back at Scam and not to say that's a minor show, but it's like I'm doing a smaller set and I'm doing one or two routines in it. Um, so that it was good to like rehash that as I have like live shows coming up. So it's like, all right, I remember how that routine is supposed to go now, what I'm supposed to say, what I'm supposed to do. Um, same thing. That's I'm probably going to use your tip too. I just, cause I've been doing more virtuals now with this other surge of Omicron and, um, just I going back to the virtual and having things change from last time I did virtual shows and adjusting things because we're still in a pandemic and -hmm, and changing mm -hmm. the wording of like my final prediction too so it's not like we'll get through this it's kind of like oh this can you believe this is still happening (laughs) right right finding those um finding those word changes but yeah having uh those are automatically recorded anyway because they're online for my own personal use so just I should have remembered to go back and review that (laughs) but that's a good tip i'll do that for for the next one yesterday i modified um the way i've been practicing things for like tv appearances a lot of times i'll and i've done this for you like i'll just Mm -hmm. invite people that uh, backstage uh you know into my dressing room where i have like a table set up and i can perform for them but I realize, you know, when you walk into an environment that you don't know what it's exactly what it's going to be, like a TV set, for example, um, it's not as controlled. So I stopped inviting people in mm. and I started just going out to like different areas wherever I can find someone backstage that's working and I will perform right there oh. wherever they are and there I'll make go. it work in that environment. That's been like the new thing I'm working like to, in practicing new stuff is like doing it in their space. So it's like a little different every time as to a height of a table or whether we're seated or standing and I get comfortable doing it anywhere. Oh, that's interesting. So you're going out and finding things because you got too comfortable in the environment that you were able to control. Is that exactly? What okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that makes sense. That's kind of like the beginning of we talk about getting your flight time in and just doing as many venues as possible because you right. become bulletproof of doing the college cafetorium, you know, or um, right, right, <laughs> or, or like you know a laundromat or whatever you do, you right. know, wherever you happen to be booked, walking around so that you can know every little variable that comes up and be prepared for it. I think that's really smart. Yeah, I don't think it would be a big deal in normal times, but like we're, we're, we got the pandemic going. I, I'm in, mm. you know, my circle just gets smaller and smaller with the, you know, right. with the pandemic and so on. So uh, I started just trying to find ways to like push the envelope and disturb the comfortable so I can just do it in different scenarios. Because when it comes time to shoot this thing, it's yeah. not going to be on that exact couch at that table that's at the right height with a close up pad. You know, it's going to mm. be who knows. So. I've been trying to get comfortable in different ways. Have you thought about doing it the other way where, you know, you have your little lounge area, just turn that into a like a late night set or a TV show set. And then whatever show you're on, just be like, hey, why don't you come over to my place? Come over yeah, to we're gonna film it here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a remote. Well, I, 
I think we talked about this back when we used to do meet and greets. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to start working on material during the meet and greet and start performing something for Mm -hmm. that. But um, we haven't, we have, you know, I don't know when, when those would come back. So. Well, that kind of turned into your casino table routine. Yeah, anyway, right? yeah. We just started doing that during the show. Just do it on stage. <laughs> well, meet right, and like, on that, stage. Yeah. Now that segment is kind of what it is. So, yeah. like, it, I, I, the other thing I'm working on, I can't just plug into it because it wouldn't make sense. So I've, I've got no choice but to work on it backstage. So yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, that's, that's very interesting. Um, another thing came to mind as I was setting up these virtual shows that I was like remembering how to do, uh, is, uh, the, the amount of effort that I put into like the graphics and all this stuff. And I'm just curious what your take is on, uh, cause we talked about this in the past of like being a professional is knowing how much effort to put in and when, and when it's worth mm. it, when it's not. Uh, of just like finding that balance. I, for me, I was like, is this adding enough? Is, I mean, it's there's something to customizing everything for the client, which I'm happy to do. But sometimes it's like that tedious process, which can be meditative sometimes, I will admit, and I like doing it. But sometimes when you're just not in the mood, it's like, oh, I've got to do all this work just for like one small moment in a show. And I know there's magicians that live for that. They want to put all the effort in for that one tiny moment to make it more amazing. But yeah. where where do you fall in that continuum of effort to result? Um, <laughs> Does that make sense well, as a question? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like, am I going to spend two days whittling some prop down for a 1% increase of amazement or entertainment value is that worth it like where's the line right i generally go by enjoyment so like if it's <laughs> if it's something i enjoy practicing mm-hmm. or whatever uh because it could because it could apply to something you rehearse over and over too of course yeah yeah um then i will yeah the 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 result versus reward thing is not even in my <laughs> playbook like i literally will i will do something for hours which I'm not saying is the smart thing to do um, for a result that is marginal at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, If it's something I'm not interested in, I will generally not spend time on it. Fair. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Sometimes, you know, to to my own detriment, right? Right. Yeah, so you're thinking more, because I think... You know, those the 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 real, I don't know, artistic side of the performer wants to be like, well, you think from the audience's perspective and if that can increase their amazement by even a percent, it's worth it. And I'm just like wondering, is like, am I getting lazy? Like, is this mm. like, I don't know, it's because I think I'm there with you. If it's something that I enjoy doing, you know, I'll there's put no the time. time. Yeah, you could just keep right? going at it. But um. But yeah, if it's something that just becomes, or like you're, if you're just not in the right mood to like, it's like, oh, this is the stuff that I have to do to get the show to work. But it's like, I just don't feel like it today. We all have those moments, and I get that's the the sign of a pro is fighting through those little dips where you're like, oh, I don't want to necessarily do the the hours of prep I need to do, but. I'm going to do it anyway because that's what a pro is and it's going to be worth it. And I know when I get on stage, it's going to be worth it. It's just like where I am now in my mood when I'm off stage could sometimes not necessarily align. If that if that doesn't make me sound like too, that I don't enjoy my job, which I do. It's just like we all have those moments, right? 
Yeah, um, I I think and I I tend to like usually try to justify <laughs> why I'm doing it one way versus the mm-hmm. other. Do you do that? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, what do you mean? Okay, I'll give you an example. I've got this routine I'm I'm working on, and when I say I'm working on it, it's sort of only in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is for a, a, a thing I've got to do coming up. This is a different thing. Um, and like I've never actually performed it, uh, yet. And I probably, if I am to do it, I, the first time I ever really perform it full on um, would be like on the actual show that's taping. And I could rehearse it or over-rehearse it or whatever, and I probably won't. And mm-hmm. I, I can't explain really why. The only way I can really justify it, and this is maybe wrong, um, is that like on talk shows, for example, like when you're, let's say you're the host of a talk show. There's lots of things that are not really fully rehearsed. There's lots of like fun moments that they tell the host to do or the host decides to do that are just sort of like, all right, and then you're going to you're surprised the guest. You're going to go back behind the chair and get these bags and dump them out and sure, uh, yeah. and surprise them with this because whatever. Mm-hmm. So like it's sort of a loosey goosey environment where like things being over rehearsed doesn't feel right because the host themselves isn't over rehearsed. So you want it to just feel like fun and sporadic and um and, and a little bit more natural. And like, normally I would never vouch for that. Normally mm. in magic, everything sort of needs to be right. really, really well rehearsed. But, um, I, I have this one scenario where I actually think I have a good excuse to not over rehearse it, but maybe it's just because I don't want to rehearse it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like how I make, <laughs> try to justify the behavior. Yeah. Oh, I see. So you're, you're you're like, all right, I don't have to put in the hours, not necessarily because you don't want to, but because you're like, maybe it'll make the effect better if it's more casual. Yeah. It's one of those things where like the rehearsing of it might not make it better. Mm. Yeah. And, and I'm not excited about rehearsing the beats of it because I want, I kind of want it to feel completely like fresh well that's the challenge whenever you know my style is very improv too and especially with mentalism you never know what people are going to say and you kind of have to be on your toes so i like having that kind of open-endedness and what you're saying is anything can kind of happen at any moment or it's a little more loosey-goosey casual and if you do rehearse improv too much it's going to feel scripted and actually there's no real way to rehearse improv because every scene is different when you're performing improv right so it's like uh, so you you basically are practicing the techniques that you're going to be using and seeing how you can apply those in the moment, which I think is interesting. But I, I hear what you're saying, too, of like, yeah, maybe maybe we're not going to be I, – I don't know if it's just me being sluggish coming out of some downtime, and mm-hmm, that's where mm-hmm. I'm really feeling it. But, like, once you get it going and you're in that groove, I think, you know – that's the, that's the benefit of, especially with you having a show every single night and making mm-hmm. tweaks along the way and you get mm-hmm. to find this flow. I think just getting out of not doing it into a flow pattern is going to be helpful once I'm on the road again. And so Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know where we're at. Right? I d- yeah, I don't know either. Do you, it's, a, it's a strange thing. And I now the more I think about it, we just sound like maybe it's a little bit of laziness and we need to... <laughs> Get it right here. <laughs> like, like now that I've actually said this out loud, it's like uh-huh, well, uh-huh. I'm not taking any of my own advice or things we've talked about I know. on this podcast about like scripting. So, like, I should I should probably script it out at the very least, so I have a right. a, a, a a guideline. 
I think that, yeah, I think that, I mean, that again, get Mark of the Pro, get through that fatigue or whatever yeah. that barrier is <laughs> and do the work. But uh, but I think there is a way, I mean, to, so to, to get to your goal of still keeping it casual and free and being mm-hmm. present, you can script and have ultimate options of like, if this happens, right. this happens, this happens. And then just through rehearsal, get it to that place where it fa- sounds over rehearsed, but then you know it in your bones. So then you can ease off and then be aware and go more casual. So I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's the right, correct path to take. <laughs> In in all fairness, there are two different uh, like segments for the same thing that I'm working on for the Mm -hmm. same show, essentially. And like the first one that I worked on is scripted. I videoed it. I watched it. It's like ready to go. And the second one just doesn't feel as suited to be like as um, uh, rigid and structured. So I do. It's still important to go through the beats just so you know, Okay. You, when you hand them the deck to shuffle, and I'm just making this up, you're gonna need now. You're gonna have to kill some dead time. You need something to say here, even mm-hmm. if you don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, or you have options, or like just know. Oh, there's dead time here to fill. Right. You gotta yeah, have yeah. your structure at the very, mm-hmm. very uh, at the at the minimum. So I'm saying this as if I'm giving it for advice, but really I'm just telling myself. You're right giving now. yourself advice. <laughs> yeah, you gotta follow that. Yeah, and, and and knowing the beats of like where you need to improvise is part of the job right that's like, true yeah it's like <laughs> yeah all right this is gonna be opened up i'm gonna have to say something here is exactly what you're saying and then yeah you could could go as far as scripting out exact words or like sentiments right. and let it flow in the moment or you know but at least you have uh, that that was a big thing when it came to screenwriting for me and like a little bit of study i've done into that is like the writing process isn't just sitting down and typing out the action and the dialogue that you see that's the final product of a script. The other part of writing a script is sitting down, writing the outline, and figuring out how this is going to go to there and how this is going to go to there. And it doesn't feel like writing because you're like writing down a word or two or bullet mm-hmm. points or so forth, but it's still the act of writing because you're creating the structure, the the pattern, how things flow. And I think that was the key element to me where I made my switch of like, oh, writing's hard, it's difficult. But when you go like writing isn't just writing, writing is actually if you substitute the word in creating. And I love creating. I love coming up with ideas. And now it's just organizing those ideas and putting those on paper. And then once you have a clear outline, then it makes the the actual sitting down and typing the dialogue part way easier because <laughs> you know right. where you're going. <laughs> Yeah. You, you've got me really excited, actually, like just talking about your passion for creating and so on. It's like reminded me of my own. Yeah. So you, you, you've definitely uh, you, you've inspired you've inspired us just now. So that that's that's exciting. Um, good. I think, and think that's good for us at the beginning of the year to, you know, when we're both is. kind of feeling you're coming off this, you know, break from your shows. I'm coming off of the break from the holidays and just to like reinvigorate ourselves. So I think that's why this podcast is great for us just to talk every week it so is. that we can be like, oh yeah, let's, let's have accountability and kick each other's butts into gear a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. And you've also sort of reminded me what I have so far for this routine I was talking about is literally mm-hmm. just an outline. Yeah. I've got the bullet points in my head of what, what oh, the good. routine needs to be. I do need to just take it a little step further before, uh, but I have time, plenty yeah. of time. So yeah, I'm still yeah, yeah. A, a week or so out. So anywho, um, you were talking about writing in, you, you were telling me before we jumped on something about a writing group that you were. 
Yeah, I uh, one of the the ways I wanted to get again, kind of get out of the the the, the, the that down period is to um, try and um, force myself to write. So I uh, got together with a couple comedian friends, and we just like pitched ideas and worked on each other's jokes. And it was like I felt like I was actually accomplishing something rather than sitting alone in my apartment to you know have some feedback from you know. And it's challenging because they're both stand-ups comics, so they do this for a living. And I just, like, you know, do stand-up in my mind-reading show and occasionally go on these open mics and, you know, small comedy shows. But to have someone more experienced than you really help and shape uh, where you're going, it's like surround yourself by people who are more talented and you're going to hopefully help you rise to that occasion. And I think that's kind of the, the way it works. So. Our writing group was just three of us. We pitched an idea, a premise, and then we'd riff on it. Um, there was a couple wording things that like, I had tried on stage that I was like, this doesn't work. And I would be like, how would you say it? And then with their experience of doing a lot of comedy and being on stage, they were able to help reword something. It was like, all right, I can approach that next time I try it on stage and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go around the circle. They'd have a pitch of a premise, and I'd see if I can riff off it using all of my knowledge from improv and comedy that I have that, you know, maybe asking the right questions and maybe you're not giving them specific lines that they're going to use, but at least you're asking the right questions that might spark an idea. And that's what I really like about that, that small little group uh, that we got together. So maybe it'll become a more regular thing. That's going to be so fulfilling and fun. Yeah, it was fun. And it was much longer. I like had planned for like an hour or so. We ended up like just you know, goofing around for four hours, like in an afternoon. Yeah, with I'm snacks. yearning for something like that. I love that that yeah. collaborative stuff, and it just feels like it's been too long. Snacks are key to having snacks, good snacks are key. <laughs> Maybe some coffee or what have you. Mm-hmm. And that was the real fun part, even with your, you know, when we were in the writers' room for your special, just coming up with the ideas and that's putting, what it reminded me of. Yeah, putting things up on the wall and mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, all right, we'll come back to that idea, see if we can bounce it off, but. I think the key to writing rooms, and I think this is where things get tricky and talking about permission and stealing ideas from earlier, of um, is the person who brings up the premise is kind of the golden rule, is that still their idea and anything you pitch mm-hmm. is becomes theirs because you're mm-hmm. riffing off of that initial thought. So then mm-hmm. when it's you know the next person's term and they pitch their premise, you know you're contributing and giving up these ideas willingly to improve upon their premise or whatever that thing is and same thing in a writer's room it's like we knew we were writing for your show so anything we pitched there we were absolving ourselves of using so that you right could, right you know use it if you if you wanted in your in your um in your special so right right i think whereas i think fun. also though i think it works the other way too at least in my head it does where like if you pitch something that's not used i feel like it might still kind of be yours well, if it's yeah, if it's not used in the, like the final product, then yeah, you right. can repitch it or you know offer <laughs> yeah, it to someone like, else. Yeah, I don't think it would make sense yeah. for me to like. Yeah, I I think so. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think yeah. that that makes sense. Yeah. Right. What do you think? I I think yeah. Well, if it's an unused idea, if it's an unused idea, like even even in the context mm-hmm. of like a sitcom, that that writer still has that idea. Like the the, the producer in the room can't just like take that idea and then apply it to the next sitcom they work for when that writer's not in the room, right? <laughs> right, but I also don't think the writer could be that mad if, you know, because we're influenced by everything, right? So if the True. if it stayed in the back of that person's mind and they mm-hmm. went to another show and pitched it, 
because they heard a good idea. They thought right. they came up with it themselves. Forgot like four four series ago. <laughs> you know, well, through osmosis, it is. It's it's exactly. also really hard to remember too, right. like where where we mm-hmm. learned something, right, or right. who came up with what. So that, that 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 does get fuzzy, unfortunately. But to your point, without going into specifics, because that's what we've been uh, clearly avoiding this whole episode. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> the the vague cast. Is <laughs> but, it is it vague? <laughs> no, I think I think the things we are touching upon are the important things, and what what we like to talk about anyway are like the craft uh-huh. and the the construction. So the specifics aren't necessarily needed. But um, there was a a joke. Uh, one of the our my comedian friends brought up. And then the other one had an idea that was like, oh, you could take it this way and it would kind of change the whole structure. And the original comedian is like, no, I like the original premise a little bit more. And he's like, well, if you're not going to use it, I could use it. And they're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> because it was a new idea. <laughs> but it, st- it was sparked from that, but it was completely different enough that it could be, you know, kind of used that way. So, Yeah, you know what I got out of that? What? The title of the episode is The Vague Cast. <laughs> the Vague Cast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's what I got out of that story. <laughs> well, let's switch gears, Matt, over and work your brain a little bit more with some riddles. And I'm going to hit the right button this time because it's time for Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles. Here's your riddle. A woman drove from Chicago to San Francisco in three days. At the end of her trip, she discovered that one of her tires was flat. How did she make it to San Francisco? Do you want to hear it again? No, I mean, uh, I think, okay, so I can recite it. A woman traveled from uh, Chicago Mm -hmm. to San Francisco. Yes. And when she got to San Francisco, she realized one of her tires was flat. Yes. I think the key to this riddle mm-hmm. is that, and I believe, and I could, you only read it once, but I believe you used the word traveled, not drove. Mm-hmm. So I believe she flew from Chicago to San Francisco. So what tire would we be talking about then? So she lives in San Fran. When she got home, she saw the tire was flat. Okay, that's an. In- I like the way you um, are thinking about that, but that is not what I said. Here's the riddle again. Okay. A woman. <laughs> I like. I gave you that moment to <laughs> to, to, to think you were correct. Um, <laughs> a woman drove from Chicago to San oh. Francisco in three days. At the end of her trip, she discovered that one of her tires was flat. How did she okay, make it got to it. San Francisco? All right. Okay, got it. Yeah. So I miss I misheard that. So she mm-hmm. drove and it took her three days. Mm-hmm. What we're not realizing is that her car on the back of it has what you call a bike rack. So she has a bicycle on her car. So when she arrives in San Fran, because people ride bikes in San Fran all the time, <laughs> she goes to get her bike and sees, oh, the tire's flat. That's how she got there. Because the car had four tires that were properly inflated. I will say you are on the right track, but it's simpler than that. You don't need an extra bike for this riddle. Okay. But so, I do love that you're just like, hey, people ride bikes in San Francisco. <laughs> All right. You so, know, the best city to ride bikes because it's so hilly, you know, going yeah. down the hills, great. Going up the hills, not so fun. Here's the situation now. And this mm. riddle could not apply to me because my car does not have that's a spare what, tire. That's what I was hoping is that your car, I know, doesn't have this. So I thought it was going to stump you. <laughs> but <laughs> most cars have a spare tire, often called a donut. And that is the tire that was flat. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> 
three times. Can I get three of those noises? Because I got it right three times. I w- oh, the first one, you changed the word, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> that you was go. for the bicycle because that was creative. But no, yeah. yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I, I thought you'd like that. Let's jump over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia time. Yes, ready for trivia, excuse me. What television series was the first to air the sound of a toilet being flushed? Oh, okay. Um, hmm. We haven't done this one? No, I think I know. It's in the back of my mind. It's between a couple shows. Is Are there choices? Yeah, do, I'm kind of interested to see what you're in between. Um, I don't know if it's as early as like the Honeymooners. I think it's maybe closer to like Brady Bunch, that era. Uh, but I'm unsure. Uh, I do have choices, yeah, by the way. Yeah, let me hear them. Maud. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch Maud? No, I know of it, but no. All in the Family. Oh yeah, that could be. That's a that era. The Adams Family. I don't even know if they had bathrooms or monsters. Leave it to Beaver. I want to say of those, the one that feels the most like they would have a uh, you know a uh, toilet in them is because they were pushing so many boundaries, is All in the Family. Was that a correcting? Yeah, that was correct. Okay, we could barely hear it, so I'm going to hit mine. <laughs> oh, wait. There it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, good family. job. That is correct. Now, uh, it says 1971, starring Carol O'Connor, uh, became the first series to be videotaped in front of a live studio, studio audience, as well as the first to air the sound of a toilet being flushed. Now, this is interesting because you mentioned Brady Bunch, and mm-hmm. this isn't listed here but just off the top of the dome oh um in brady bunch they're in the bathroom a lot but there's no toilet that's right that's right Isn't that funny yeah they never show that. that that was like one of those things you couldn't show like when they couldn't even show like a belly button on television it had to be covered and i believe like star trek was one of the first ones to uh or like they got some sort of revenge because gene roddenberry wasn't allowed to show one so like in a later series he made someone with two belly buttons just right <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's great so you passed the uh you passed the trivia of the week good job yeah um i think we should uh we've been saving some of these should we jump in to our mailbag matt yeah thank you to everybody but who's been writing in with the funky also we appreciate you and to the email we do see and read your stuff and uh, I believe Eric has pulled a couple that he wanted to talk about here on the show. So yeah. if you ever want to uh, talk about, you know, have us talk about something on the show, you have the ability to write into us as well. Yes, you can write us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you forget that, you can go to our website, which is essentially the same, mindovermagicpodcast.com. There's a link for you to click that has our email for you to send mm-hmm. us some mail. But let's jump into the mailbag. We haven't heard this jingle in a while. The mailbag. Got mail. Thank you to my brother for that lovely jingle. Uh, let's see. I want to go with um, this one. Bruce writes in. Um, do you ever carry redundant or backup duplicate props in case one goes bad? 
I love this question. Thank you, Bruce. Wow. Um, and, and I actually hadn't read this one yet, so I didn't know. I didn't know what the question was going to be. So I'm just hearing it for the first time. Hence my excitement. Yeah. Um, I absolutely travel with backups of like everything, especially yeah. if it's small and easy enough to do. Um, I, oh, and it's the, I, I have like crazy redundancies to the point where it's like, what was I expecting to happen? Like, was I expecting <laughs> to get caught in a rainstorm and like, I'll store them in different places too. So like if one bag gets like, stuck in the rain and all the cards are stuck together you know i have a whole separate bag that hopefully wasn't in the same rainstorm <laughs> that's hilarious yeah oh i all whenever possible i have duplicates and i'm so i do get anxious in my head about when i have something with me that's like i don't have a duplicate of how about you now but here's the thing though because like mm -hmm. i will have a lot of duplicates of props and so forth mostly because a lot of what i use are paper products from Staples or Office Max or those kind of stores. So mm -hmm. it's just like a matter of carrying multiple envelopes. Super easy to do, right? Right, right. So for me, extra sheets of paper, extra a clipboard or two, you know, having those. So I will, but some of the more magic-y related things that are a little harder to come by, when I do purchase something that's in my show that I know is needed, I will always buy backups like have mm -hmm. it because i know just through wear and tear and time things are gonna break uh mm -hmm. and then the worst feeling is something that's discontinued and you're like oh no mm -hmm. if this if they can't find this product but this is like the one thing that fits my show and i've adapted to it you know mm -hmm. i'll try and get as many redundancies of it before right. whatever goes out of business or they stop making it uh, but not always the case. And sometimes you have to experiment again, finding new things that will work uh, right. in case it does break. But how do you approach like, um, I don't know, like really expensive things in your show? Like, I don't know, you have giant props. You have a, a, a card cannon. Right, we have just one. <laughs> you have just one. Yeah, but we do have a redundancy plan if mm -hmm. it didn't fire, which like very seldom we've ever had to resort to. But um. Yeah, you just always have to have a redundancy, even if it's not exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, even if, like, let's say you have a prop that you know is, like, prone to breaking, and it can be small or big. It doesn't matter, but, like, you you know how reliable something is. So if it's something that's a little bit delicate and I can have a duplicate, I absolutely will if it makes sense to. Even if the backup is, like, a homemade version that's not as good, but it will get me through, I'll yeah. use it. Right. Um, uh, you know, and I'll make sure I create it or whatever. I've been, I've been getting a little bit more crafty lately with making props, oh, actually, good. which has good, been good, fun. Good. Um, but I think the answer is sometimes it, you can't have a backup some, of something and you only have the hero, especially this happens to me, um, not just with like a big prop, like a cannon, but also with, when it comes to traveling. Yeah. You, sometimes you really, you know, that gets you down to only what you need. And sometimes only what you need is just the hero prop and not um, a backup. It might not be feasible or even possible or make sense. So uh, then I think you just want to take care of that hero as, as the best possible way you can and make sure like maybe that's in your carry on and you're 
you know, handling it personally, the entire plane ride and making sure you're carefully putting it under the seat mm-hmm. and this and that. And it's not something you're just shoving in the overhead or um, uh, giving it to for your checked bags. Or if you are, make sure it's packed properly in a way that it really is impossible to get damaged. Or you drive to wherever you're going to make sure it gets there. <laughs> are you saying, Matt, you have props that you literally put on your velvet gloves <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. carefully transport them from place to place and then like... Like, uh, you know, the fine art galleries when they're working with a Matisse or Picasso, you take them off and before they're put on display. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, kind of. Kind of. (laughs) And I've been doing more and more of it myself. When you show up to these places, whether it's a a lot of times like, you know, TV sets now are encouraging people to show up camera ready Mm -hmm. and with no guests. So, you know, I've really been getting my practice with uh, making sure I've got the velvet gloves ready to go because it's on me. There's no one there to like help me out, back it up, make a new one or whatever. So you really have to be fully prepared and ready to go. Um, for, for me, I, I always have like extra pens cause those get lost very easily. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I open up my suit jacket and you see the little inside pocket, it's just like lined with pens. Like I'm a, like a pen dealer selling you pens on the black market in the back alley somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I always have that, uh, business cards are pretty easy to just carry multiple of those for me. So a lot of my props are like just normal things you would have extras of, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But on occasion, yeah, there'll be there'll be some stuff that I have extras. I won't necessarily take them all with me to the gig because I know whatever prop might survive to and from. But if something happens to it at the gig, I know I can have a backup at home that I can replace it with at least if something breaks or so forth. I, I think it, it's um, the beauty, too, of like um, sort of specializing in a certain area of magic, whether it be coins or cards or mentalism, whatever. Um, that way, like, you know, if everything else hits the fan, oh, I have my deck of cards on me. Yeah, right. So I can do something or I have my coins or, you know, you have your go to mentalism things like mm-hmm. having experience and a background will like prevent you from being overly nervous in a situation where things don't go as planned or a bag gets lost or or prop breaks, whatever. Like you have your contingency that's a backup for that exact thing. But you're also not going to flip out if um that's not going to work out. Yeah. It's remembering that the audience doesn't know what's going to happen next in the show. So they're Mm -hmm. not expecting one particular thing. Um, So basically what you're doing is, I mean, we, there's a magic method of multiple outs Mm -hmm. to to do tricks, but you're essentially doing multiple outs in terms of at a a zoomed out scale of effects you might do. So if something Mm -hmm. isn't going to work, you can at least go a different direction and have an out for that. And maybe you change gears completely and show something you weren't expecting to show, but you, you know, you knew you can fill that void if something breaks on stage or anything like that. Uh, the worst is, though, if you do set something up and then something breaks after you give the audience that expectation and they're like, oh, how do I get out of this? Now? Right. Or sometimes, you know, with my style, too, especially with improv, I'm OK for it to be like, well, that's not going to work tonight. Let's just move right. on to the next thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And sometimes that that is the escape route. Yeah. But. I think the key thing here is and I touched on this a little bit is to really and I think we do this inherently, but you got to evaluate how how likely is this prop to break? What mm-hmm. what what that you're taking with you is likely to fail or break? What is delicate? Mm-hmm. Um, and of those items, 
how hard are they to replace or easy to replace? Yeah. I mean, if you're doing cups and balls and you're using metal cups, they're not going to break. <laughs> yeah. So like you don't need to bring right. six cups with you. Right. Now, if they get misplaced, I don't know your routine. Can you do it with solo cups from Walmart? Yeah. Can you do it with cocktail shakers? I don't, maybe you can, in which case you would never bring a backup set of cups. So it Mm -hmm. really depends on, you know, what, what the prop is and how impossible it is, how essential it is to have that exact item. And magic is very particular. You could have a, a routine with toilet paper where the only one that you can use is the one from the dollar store near your house. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. And they're the only ones who sell it. Um, Mm -hmm. But in most cases, you know, there are things that uh, could be replaced Um, but it really depends like for that unique thing that's like almost impossible to replace and could break. That's the thing you need a backup of. Now those both the cups and balls and the toilet paper seem like very specific examples in our vague cast this episode. So (laughs) I apologize for saying anything specific. No, no, no. I'm glad you did that because I was going to ask the next question, which was, do you have any moments in shows that you recall ever doing where something didn't work and you didn't have a redundancy or backup uh, for that prop and you had to maybe change gears or get out of an awkward situation? Yeah, um, I think it's probably just because you referenced it, but like the cannon, the cannon not firing, I mm. would think would be one. Um, I think we've talked about it before, but like a, a borrowed bill not appearing where it's supposed to be would be another one. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny. case by case in terms of dealing with those situations. Yeah. For me, I can't remember um, something I realized in the moment like there's things i probably like forgot to pack and i was like oh no i gotta change Mm -hmm. gears but i'll know that before stepping out on stage there was one memory i had i was doing some private boarding school show i think and i think for whatever reason i just forgot to set my final envelopes for my final horse race routine i had them on me i just never took them out of my case which was off stage so mm-hmm. I'm ready. I have four people up on stage ready to go, and I have to hand them each four envelopes. And I just go, where are my envelopes? Hold on one second. Ran off stage. <laughs> Had to find them in the my case. I was like, whoops. So that was just more of like me not setting my stage, which is something you should always do is double check your, right. your stage setup. You learn right. those You learn those mistakes usually once, maybe twice if you forget. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but once you do, you learn to always do Try that. not make to make that, them again. Yeah, yeah, make that part of your routine. So, I mean, there was awkward moments, but you covered those things in with comedy or – you know, it didn't take away from the effect itself. You know, it's right. just like, let me leave for a second. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Entertain the audience. <laughs> Those kind of things. So, yeah, but it is good to have, uh, you know, maybe even a case or some some hiding space on stage. So if you do want to avoid leaving stage, you can go and find another set of spare props behind a yeah. poster or a set piece or something. Mm-hmm. Always something to think about. Yep, always have those redundancies. Great, great question, Bruce. I'm assuming because he asked that question that he has redundancies. Yeah, I think so. I think it was so. A props good, to him. Good topic to to get into. So I've got a I've got a jet off very soon to mm-hmm. jump on this exciting voiceover uh, session. So let's do some goals. Yeah, man. Uh, your goals for last time was to plan a short vacation. Oh, really? I planned it. <laughs> Did you? All right. Yeah, I love how every time when you tell the goals and I don't have uh, the rundown in front of me. I mean, I do, but it's like 
Yeah. Uh, it's behind it's behind your image on my computer screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not seeing it. I'm always surprised with what my goal was. <laughs> and you're surprised that you actually accomplished it. And I did accomplish it. <laughs> yes. Do we get any um, uh, hints on where you're headed? Uh, yeah, I'm going to Florida. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, cool. Nice. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy. I usually go this time of year. It's kind oh, of the good, best good, time good. to go and whatnot, so. Wonderful. Yeah, and how I, about you? I was supposed to get on top of small office stuff, which I did. I got through a bunch of my emails. Some like little, there's been just a whole slew. This is kind of the thing that's been bogging me down of why I even brought up the whole, like, is the effort worth it? It's because I, a lot of technology, like website stuff and like, you know, even like, uh, minor details when I like got my new phone, like it, they didn't process it correctly. So just like all these like little things have been piling up. So I was mm-hmm. able to get a bunch of those. But um, one thing, my next goal is to figure out um, for my virtual shows, apparently, and if someone knows the answer to this, reach out to me. Uh, if you just type in ericdittleman.com slash my private link for the school or the client or whoever, it doesn't redirect to my website. You need the W. It only works with the www. Oh, interesting. So my immediate goal, like as soon as we stop recording this, is to <laughs> <laughs> fix that problem. So we don't look into why my website doesn't work without the www. <laughs> awesome. So that is my goal. Uh, Love it. How about plugs, Matt? Hey, we're we're back in Vegas. You you know where to find us, Matt Franco. Oh, before you do that. <laughs> As I interrupt you, what's your yeah, goal yeah. for next time? Oh, I was hoping that you were just going to buzz past that. <laughs> no, I always forget. Um, I want to turn my outline into a script. Okay, good. Outline into a script. I'll put that in. I get the WW. Now that I interrupted your plug, uh, do we go to WWW Matt Franco or just Matt Franco? I think it works both ways, but uh, please let me know if not. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I would double check that because I didn't even know that was a thing until I, until we had some issues with uh, a, a a show and we we got around it. We worked out, just sent out a new link. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can visit me at ericdiddleman.com, hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> as <Yeah>. well, <laughs> to book me. And uh, and yeah, uh, just stay tuned. Follow us on social media. Uh, see where we're going to be next. I'm going to be traveling quite a bit coming up, uh, doing some shows. Uh, you can follow us at Mind Magic Pod. Like I said before, reach us at our website, mindovermagicpodcast.com. Uh, anything else, Matt? Are we missing anything? Keep sending funky emails. <laughs> so if Yes. Listening for the first time, we want to know about our listeners. So message Matt or me, social media wise. Yeah, I've been checking my DMs. Anytime I see the word funky in all caps, you have to start the message with the word funky in all caps. I prioritize those DMs and I read and respond to them. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Tell us who you are, if you're into magic, why you're listening, what topics you'd like us to talk about, what's Mm -hmm. of your interest. All good, useful information for us. This has been a fantastic number 81. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time. Take it easy. Bye-bye.